it's a pretty uh, pretty amazing uh, pretty amazing deal. And uh, we're involved in I think four or five different properties that uh, that have that. And I did uh, did an exclusive uh, uh, quick interview uh, with our partner on that deal. You're listening to Alternative Investor Mastermind, where we do a deep dive on alternative investment opportunities and the lifestyle it can create. Join Jack Krupe as he presents actionable tips and tricks in doing passive real estate away from mainstream strategies. Go beyond the usual fix and flips and try less explored yet rewarding investing ventures. From multifamily properties, mobile homes, to cryptocurrencies. Do not miss this opportunity to escape traditional assets. And finally, create wealth without Wall Street. Now your host, Jack. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Alternative Investor Mastermind. Uh, today, I'm going to talk about due diligence and uh, you know, some of the things we, uh, we look at when we uh, are, are looking at allocations uh, into uh, asset classes. going to focus mostly on multifamily. However, most of the numbers and really most of the concepts uh, will uh, translate to any of the other key asset classes in the syndication market, whether it's uh, self-storage, mobile home parks, uh, ground-up development, uh, really, it's uh, th- these are rules of thumb. So, um, but before we get started, I just want to um, talk a little bit about uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, I was on uh, uh, two, three weeks ago. I went on the Investor Addicts Real Estate Cruise. Uh, it was a great event. There was about 80, uh, 80 real estate investors there. Uh, learned a lot. Had a lot of great networking, and actually. Uh, likely found uh well we did find a, a deal there uh there was a, a a broker dealer that has a number of opportunities and uh yeah it looks like we're going to invest into an rv park that actually has a marina it's a little bit more of a niche asset uh for us but uh the cash on cash returns significantly higher um you know one of the benefits of a broker dealer is yeah there's a level of diligence they have to go through with their with their operating partners and sponsors so um you know, things like the diligence and the background check and that type of stuff on the actual operating partner was already kind of done. And it was really about diving into the deal. Um, the other cool thing about that deal is they'd already acquired, uh, both properties and they were already running them, uh, successfully. Uh, we were able to see updated financials. So, um, you know, you get, you get some benefits for coming in early, sometimes better terms, but also sometimes if you come in right at the very end, uh, it helped finish out the raise. Um, that's also uh, very beneficial. So I was pretty, pretty excited about that. We'll do more of a deeper dive in a, in a future episode. Um, got a lot of questions about rent growth. Um, there's an article in the Wall Street Journal yesterday that says, you know, rents are, rents are dropping, the sky is falling. Um, saw the recent articles about just, you know, rent growth last year and rent decline this year. And, um, you know, we're not really seeing that, at least not in the niche and not in the uh, types of deals that uh, the JCAM has invested in. Um, just saw a, a few updates yesterday, including you know, Las Vegas, which is you know one of those markets that gets listed in some of these uh, you know nationwide articles. And uh, yeah, the key is you need to differentiate what is the Class A high end rent versus what is the workforce housing, middle class housing, Class B apartment rent. Um, yeah, there are markets and where you dive into the details. And this happened on a um, one of our investors had emailed me um, an article. That I listed Phoenix with a you know two point something percent rent decline. And uh, when you look into the fine print of the article, even that article had actually broken out um, sort of the, the class A rents versus the class B rents, and class B rents were actually up even in the article. 
And uh, what we're seeing in Phoenix and Vegas is that rents are still significantly up. Um, uh, one of the properties in Vegas yesterday we looked at, um, not only were rents up close to over 50% on renovate, renovated units, but they were even up 10% above the pro forma projections that, that we, uh, we looked at when we, uh, we acquired the assets. So, um, I, I don't think that rent growth in this type of market, when you're doing value add is declining. There's just, there's still a, a shortage of housing. Rent is also the most unaffordable it's been in a long time with, with, I'm sorry, um, home ownership is actually the most unaffordable it's been in a long time. So, um, that is going to, uh, put a floor on, on really what rental rates, uh, could be when, when tenants just don't have, uh, the ability to, uh, to buy. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to put residential, uh, put apartment buildings into a very defensive, uh, it's a very defensive position to be in when, uh, tenants can't afford to buy. Uh, obviously there's affordability issues at, at, at some point, but, uh, you know, with it, with inflation, you know, you have the ability at least once a year to adjust rents to inflation. Um, and frankly, the reason, uh, inflation is, is been so hard to tame at this point is because there's also a labor shortage in many cases. And, uh, yeah, the unemployment rate is really not ticking up. And, uh, really the, the only way to really tame inflation is to create a recession, which, you know, pushes up the unemployment rate. And, uh, I, I hope the fed doesn't go that far and doesn't overshoot. Um, because yeah, the math is a little bit different this time with, uh, with all the baby boomers retiring. So either way, it's, I think it, uh, supports our thesis and we're going to continue to invest heavily in multifamily apartments. Another question, uh, we've gotten as far as highway diligence is what is the proper entry cap rate? So cap rate takes debt out of the equation. Cap rate is the net operating income divided by the purchase price. And for multifamily, it is ranged from you know, high threes at sort of the, the peak in 2021 for a value add to, uh, you know, we've acquired properties in the sixes, sevens and 8% cap rates where it was more of a Midwestern stable market or, uh, you know, less, uh, in some cases, less value add. Um, when you see those cap rates in the threes, yeah, the only way we'd ever touch a deal like that is, uh, when, um, there's so much rent upside that, you know, the, the cap rate is not irrelevant, but you know, you're really pricing in some of the upside in rents when you know you can renovate a unit and raise rents $500. It, it, it makes it closer to a construction deal where what you want to look at is the stabilized cap rate of like you're buying a building for X and after putting in say 10 to 15,000 per unit, you're raising rents by $400 and you know, in 12 months, your stabilized cap rate may be 6%. Um, Whereas you're, you're buying in a, you know, at a four. So, uh, th those are very unique situations. And, uh, you know, for diligence purposes, we really do look heavily at the rent growth. If you, if we feel confident that, you know, this complex that was say built in 1985 and hasn't really been updated will achieve three to $400 in higher rents, that there's complexes nearby that have those rents that current units in the current complex are achieving closer to those rents when renovated. Um, that makes us feel a lot better. That's one of the key, uh, key items for due diligence. And a great example of that is a, is a current deal that, uh, we're involved in called, uh, the Verdier at Herman Park. 
And if you look at a 12-month basis, the cap rate is uh, around 4%. However, if you look at the last three months, yeah, the cap rate is actually above 5% on the trailing three months. So that tells us a few things. It tells us, number one, rents are already incre- rents are increasing. Rents have increased. New leases in today's market are executing at the higher amount. So even in the absence of renovation in a market like Houston, especially this is in the medical center area, um, those rents are achievable and uh, should continue to be achievable. So um, yeah, that shows that the trend is in the right direction. And uh, you know, we're, we're comfortable looking at sort of the, the last three months at, 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 of, a, of a cap rate rather than average of the last 12. And uh, that does go both ways. It, you know, if and when we're ever in a declining market and we look at the new leases being executed, if they're ever uh, you know, being executed lower than the average rent over the last 12 months, we're going to be very careful to not, uh, not catch a falling knife. Uh, another really interesting thing going on that's uh, helping with uh, how we underwrite deals is uh, uh, one of our other operating partners has a uh, partnership with uh, the local government. And uh, basically, they're creating a public facility corporation under Section 303. And it provides tax breaks for apartment developments that uh, will uh, leave a percentage of their uh, apartments uh, within the affordable uh, median income. And uh, what's great about these deals that we're involved in is it's actually not making us lower rents and it really isn't taking away any significant upside in the next uh, uh, few years. Uh, it actually adjusts by uh, based on, um, on affordability and inflation and uh, you know, I lived in New York for many years, so, uh, you know, a big red flag goes up in my head anytime we start thinking about, uh, you know, rent control, because I've just seen the abuses of, you know, people that have a $500 apartment and, uh, you know, Airbnb it or don't live there and uh, sublet it out for thousands a month or, you know, just, just refuse to, to leave and it really hurts the value of a building. But this, uh, I think Texas has done it, uh, done it right, uh, like many things learned from New York's mistakes. And California's mistakes in, in in many ways, and and I think does you know has set things up in a way that's uh, you know more friendly for business, and also accomplishes the goal of uh, you know of, of keeping housing affordable. And how they do that is they actually drastically lower the property taxes. So we have deals that uh, would have been a five percent cap rate, and now they're a six point three percent cap rate, just because hundreds of thousands of property taxes are actually reduced. Uh, without having to reduce rents, so it, it's a pretty, uh, pretty amazing, uh, pretty amazing deal, and uh, we're involved in I think four or five different properties that uh, that have that. And I did uh, did an exclusive uh, uh, quick interview uh, with our partner on that deal, and uh, that's going out to our current investors. And we may re- we may release pieces of it uh, on social media, but just for uh, kind of privacy and confidentiality reasons. We're going to keep that one uh, a little more private just because it's talking about, uh, you know, financials of specific buildings. Yeah. If you have questions, reach out. I, I'm happy to go over it, uh, you know, in a, a one-on-one case, but I think we're just not going to public publish that uh, to the masses. We look at break-even occupancy. Um, that's one uh, one metric we look at when we do due diligence. Um, a lot of times it's in the seventies, you know, rarely is it above, uh, I don't know that we're in any deals where we need to be above eighty percent occupancy for break even. Um, that may uh, may fluctuate a little bit as uh, you know interest rates uh, have moved, but uh, 
you know, largely there's a lot of, of leeway. Uh, we do have a few buildings that are heavy renovations, uh, you know, where the renovation was built into the budget where perhaps short term, the occupancy dips, but in, in those cases, rents are going up significantly. Um, our Jacksonville portfolio is an example of, we'll be really aggressive with the renovation just because we're, we're getting such, such a bump in rents. And again, every unit renovated, if we're spending 10,000 to renovate, but rents are up 400 a month, that's almost 5,000 a year. And, uh, you know, at current cap rates, you can generally multiply that by 20. So for every 10,000 we're investing, we're making over a hundred thousand in increased value. So, um, that's the key to everything, whatever interest rates end up being, if we're able to execute on that level of renovation strategy, we're going to be fine. So it's very, uh, very important for us. Again, I keep going back into the value add component and, uh, it takes away a lot of the noise of the, the, uh, diligence on what, what do you think rates will be? What's the proper price? What's a proper entry cap? What's the exit cap? Um, let's talk a little bit about cap rates. So, uh, here's another case study. Um, we have a deal in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, when we purchased it, we assumed an interest rate of 4.3%. And at the time that was actually over a point above market. Um, you could actually get a new loan in the, in the threes. Uh, this was, uh, I think late 2020, early 2021. So, uh, because of that, and there was a big penalty for not, uh, for paying off the loan. So it really had to be assumed. So we were able to buy a 315 unit apartment complex at a 6.5% cap rate, which was actually really good at the time. Fast forward a year or two. Now that 4.3 interest rate is actually very attractive. So, uh, yeah, we, we may be looking at, uh, quietly, you know, we're, we're not sure if we're going to list it for sale and do a full public offering or just sort of quietly put it out to the broker community. But, uh, you know, the, the indicative interest, uh, you know, that, that seems to be out there is that this may sell at a five and a half cap rate, um, just because of the debt. Now the debt itself doesn't factor into the cap rate formula. However, it does impact it when you have the ability to, uh, uh, take on, you know, a, a better, uh, interest rate on your loan, you know, it does make the property, uh, more attractive and more valuable to, uh, to certain buyers. Um, to that, to that point, I'm going to go back to, uh, a property I mentioned earlier, uh, the Verdeer, um, in Houston, this is the property we're, uh, actively, uh, working on right now. And, uh, the cool thing about this, uh, this property is they refinanced into a HUD loan that is green certified and uh we're able to assume a 2.5 percent interest rate and this is long-term fixed rate debt so um pretty amazing rate um takes a lot of risk off the table um doesn't get much better than a two and a half percent interest rate and uh you know as far as kind of macro level diligence uh, i'm going to quote peter zihan here who's uh, someone i follow uh regularly a lot of a great kind of geopolitical macroeconomic trends. And he was in Houston recently and um, a couple key bullet points from uh, a YouTube video that he posted. And uh, Houston is, it's the third largest metro by population. It's the energy hub for the United States. Uh, producing oil, transport, shipping. 
the largest refining base of oil. So what that means, it's also the largest petrochemical uh, producer. So that means plastics manufacturing, all located in Houston. Um, yeah, the triangle around Houston, the largest manufacturing zone for heavy equipment uh, in the United States. And, uh, you know, Germany is the only other uh, uh, group that that really competes, but you know Germany has some of its own issues right now with with energy and and, and Russia and Ukraine. Um, and lastly, you know, with the fort there, it's also the number two location for export of agricultural products that that flow through there. So a lot of great things happening in Houston. It's growing. The population's growing. Uh, we're we're bullish on um, on that as as a market, and uh, you know, a lot of just a lot of positive uh, tailwinds there. Um, from a from a macro perspective, in addition to you know focusing on the uh, value add component, um, a capital structure that makes sense with a low interest rate and long term fixed rate debt. Lastly, I do want to talk a little bit about the exit. Uh, I mentioned earlier that our Lexington property um, well should have some cap rate compression just because of the debt. Uh, however. It may not be always the case on all properties. Um, in general, when we were acquiring properties a year, two years ago, we were modeling in that the cap rate would expand and it would expand, uh, you know, maybe a percent, a percent and a half. So if we're entering at a five cap, we would be exiting at a six, 6.25 cap. Um, and we're, we're actively monitoring. I don't believe cap rates have expanded that much in, in certainly not in the the high growth markets but uh cap rates have expanded um they have not expanded as much as interest rates have moved at least from what we've seen and uh a lot of what uh what may factor in is what does the 10 year do uh the 10 year is still significantly lower than the 2 year and uh, i was just watching uh had cnbc on in the background this morning and they were talking about why that is and uh in reality a lot of the big bond buyers are, are pricing in that there may be a recession. And so they want to lock in the 10-year at three because the moment the Fed overshoots um, and historically when you know rates have went up and a recession has happened, the, the Fed typically pivots you know, within a year and starts lowering rates again. So when, uh, when, we're, when we're looking at long-term exits, I, I, I hope that I think my gut says we are somewhere close to the peak for interest rates. And, uh, you know, we have at least two years on a majority of our deals before uh, rates move. We're at our uh, many, almost all of them have interest rate caps. So um, in reality, we're, you know, watch the 10 year because that actually, uh, you know, should give an idea of where, where cap rates go. Um, you know, historically the cap rates traded a, at, a, you know, at a premium to 10 year, maybe a hundred, one and a half percent or 150 basis points, 180 basis points more than the 10 year. So if the 10 year is at four, you know, a cap rate of five and a half is, you know, is reasonable for an exit, especially in a growth market where there's still some opportunity for rent growth. And, um, yet that 10 year starts declining back into the, the low threes that that's actually really good for, uh, I think for the outlook for, uh, for multifamily long-term and, and look, if interest rates stay in that 3%, 4% range, I mean, this has been what was relatively normal for, for a generation before the last, uh, you know, bunch of years. So, uh, people made money in the seventies, eighties, nineties, 
on apartments uh, and people, you know, will continue to. So um, I, I think we're, you know, it's probably good. It's probably good in general. It took a little bit of the froth out of the market, but it's still a, uh, you know, slow and steady way to, to make, uh, make a solid passive income. So that's it for today. I hope you all enjoyed and, uh, please, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please give us a review on iTunes or Spotify and, uh, follow us on social media. We're on uh, LinkedIn, both my personal page where I'm approaching 10,000, uh, connections. So please, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, we have Facebook, Instagram, and, um, uh, going to start being a little more active and putting content also on Twitter. And apparently we did launch a TikTok account. So, uh, we'll be on all social media platforms. So, uh, Hope you enjoyed and uh, look forward to uh, seeing you on the next episode. That's all for this episode of Alternative Investor Mastermind. Now that you know the many alternative opportunities out there all up for the taking, you can finally become ultra-connected and ultra-wealthy. Get more valuable advice from the experts by subscribing to the show at alternativeinvestormastermind.com. Become a winner in the world of passive investing today in alternative investment strategies. Thank you for joining us. Until next time.